pounds an ounce. Yay, yay. So, praise the Lord for that. Um, just a few announcements. Um, I didn't do it. He didn't do it. Anyway, um, everyone in here is welcome. We are, we're going to be going to eat a cookout after this. So, and it's on South Rutherford across from the Walmart across town. So, if you would love to come and eat with us and have a milkshake or a, ugh, all that great stuff, come on. All right. So, Annie, um, Miss Courtney has announcement. Um, I am looking for anonymous prayer partners for the women in the way of hope. Um, they just need prayer just like we all do, and um, you don't have to pray with them. It's just if you feel led, get with me, and I'll email you a name. Um, just when you're driving down the road, you have a little bit of time, just pray over the lady. And um, I have an address where you can send a note of encouragement to them every couple, three weeks. Just when you think about it, send them a little note of encouragement. And we sign in your partner of prayer, and it just stays anonymous. So if you feel led to do that, see me after, and I'll get your name and your email. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Come on, be loose. Hey, here's, here's the thing. we got another person that's about to get up. If this is your first time here, let me turn this on. Man, glad you're here. Welcome home. I mean, really, we understand, and you probably heard a bunch of times come out of my little noggin, that it takes a lot of courage to walk through a door. Especially one if this is the first time you've ever walked through it. That you're really not sure what to expect. But let me tell you, you can take a deep breath. We're not going to bite you. But if we do, the first bite's always the worst. You'll numb up after that first one. <laughs> You're going, is he serious? Is it, are they really going to do that? But you're in a place that is safe. It's called refuge. And you won't know that it's safe until you allow yourself to roll the drawbridge to your heart down. And we've been admitting to ourselves over the course of weeks and months and now years that at times we will... We'll roll our drawbridge to our heart down for some, but then roll it back up for others, and that we just kind of live life a little bit guarded. And we're trying to help each other learn how not to do that in a place that is based on Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so you're walking into a place where people are saying, the only thing that we want to have identify us is Him. Is Him. Jesus. That we don't want to be identified even by the label of refuge. That because, see, what you're coming into is a night of being able to recharge yourself after just pouring yourself out from the week. Of just living life so wide open with folks that you just can't help but come back in and reconnect with others and get yourself charged back up. So therefore, you're in a safe place. The other thing about it is that, Brandy, you come on up here is that we've been talking over the course of weeks about living this life in a new way. And about four or five Saturdays ago, we started this little group. It's called T4. And what that means is that we're transforming, listen for the T's, we're transforming trying to trust. 
that there's all these different things that we have swirling around in our heads and a lot of times we go, man, I'd like to do that. I'd like to try that. I think I'll do that, but I'm going to try to do that. And if you'll think about it just for a second, that word try lets you off the hook. And so what we're saying is that, look, if I will, if I'll, if I'll learn how to trust Jesus and His people in here, that's the safest place ever, my family of faith, then the odds of me going out here and living life with folks and saying His name and living Him out go up exponentially. But if I'm afraid to say His name in here in the safest place of all, guess where I will never say His name? Out there. The very out there where it needs to be heard the most. And it's not necessarily that they hear the name, but they see it. And that's what you're doing. <laughs> and so Brandy's going to do that. About a couple of weeks ago, she said, I want to I speak some things out that are on my heart. And I'm turning that off because it's just driving me nuts. You know, they didn't have those in the first century. <laughs> They didn't have them in first century, did they? Man. Praise God. Can y'all hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Brandy, you let it flow. And what she's going to share with you is from her heart, so you let it rip. I hope this gives all of y'all some hope. Can you do it? You can do it. Just stand by her and hold it. Just hold it. Hang on to it. Psalms 18.1 I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. To me, I feel as if Christ is telling us my strength. His strength gives us, gives us the strength to get through any difficult or hard situation. Is it easy? No. But he says he will not put any more on us than we can handle. He loves us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. That's love at the extreme, because how many of us would sacrifice our children for the world? Kindness and love can be demonstrated in so many free ways, no matter what any one of us are going through in this room tonight. God has us. He is carrying us while we can't carry ourselves. An example of this, January 12th of 2013. DCS came to take my baby at 12 days old. Crushed, broken, angry, all the emotions. You can imagine with the miniature support system of three at the time, I had to sacrifice in that process to adopt him decision for the love of my other son. Obstacle after obstacle, more obstacles than the average kangaroo would have to overcome. We all go through obstacles in life. God says love, words hurt, they leave wounds. Husbands, wives, when you're having a day that you want to scream to the top of your lungs, go outside and scream. When you're lonely to all the single people, God has a season for all of us. He is preparing us for the right mate. He's molding us. Friends is friendship, plural. It's two-sided. Listen, love, be positive in every trial and tribulation. Find positive. In it, we're not alone. God sent us helpers. It may be your mate. 
It may be your friend or your friends. At the end of the day, when there's nobody there but you, your thoughts, your feelings, God's there. He loves you, and I promise He will get you through, no matter your situation. Give a smile, it's free. Give a hug, it's free. Be patient, and a kind word or gesture goes a long way. Love is the greatest commandment. God sacrificed His only begotten Son for us. Loving people isn't the easiest thing to do. Sometimes, but it's His greatest commandment. Why? He made this the greatest commandment because we all want to be loved. He created it for us to love others. Strength. We all have it. Sometimes it may feel as if we don't. He will give you the extra when needed. We, have, we all have gifts and talents. Use them. I know fear comes in and scares us, but Satan don't want us to, because if we do, he doesn't capture us. Let's love more and more often for Christ. He's so worth it. Amen. <laughs> She lived out the book. She went from trying to saying, I'm really not going to trust all of you guys necessarily, but I am going to trust God who has been just wooing that through me, and now I'm released from it because God has set me free from it, and she's followed through with it. And isn't that just beautiful? It's amazing. It's empowering. And now, who knows? You may have your own TV show. I don't know. But here's the thing. Look where she did it. Are you not honored? Wow. Woo. I can go home now, gang. I really could. But we're not going to. <laughs> I do want to give you a second because as we normally do, folks will kind of sneak in. Look around and make sure that you eyeball folks. Charles in the bar. Hey, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? Alright, everybody up. Give everybody a chance. Scoot in. Make some room for folks. Hug a neck. Here we go. I can't hear you behind. They want to hear you. <laughs> Must be. Here we go. All right. You can close your eyes, bow your heads. You can look up to heaven. I don't care. It doesn't really matter anyway. God hears you wherever you are. Mm. Jesus, Lord of the heavens, Father God, we just we thank you for this opportunity just to share and to bask in your presence. Father, that we can see the lives that are affected and touched by each and every little thing that we do. Lord, bring that fire. Ignite that fire inside of us tonight. Lord, I come against any kind of barriers or barricades to receive tonight. and take authority over that in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Father, just we, we praise you for who you are and for your sweet, sweet spirit that's here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, man, glad you're here. We're in week four. Uh, uh, 
kind of a discussion that we've been talking about a new way. So if you want to open up your screen or book, we'll go ahead and, and get our anchor verse out there. The anchor verse over the past four weeks has been 2 Corinthians. It's been in chapter 4. And it's in verse 1. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4. And as you're looking that up, I'll just kind of briefly bring us up to speed over the past four weeks. But the reason that we had this verse is that, you know, Paul is here saying, you're going to see in a second, that there's this new way. And over the course of those weeks, we've learned that Paul is writing to a people in Corinth where the size of that city is probably about the size of a Nashville or Memphis. And that if you were to look into that city at the time and kind of bring it up to speed to now, it would not look much different than us. It was a very wealthy people, very diverse, tons of different socioeconomic, and yet they still thrived off the things of the world. So it wouldn't look much different than what we look like right now. And so yet Paul is writing back into these people and we were kind of putting ourselves there going, can you imagine having to communicate something to someone of that size, of that many people, with a letter? That there, are, there is no social media to be able to get your message out. And that Paul, writing a letter that God is blowing through him, is communicating to a people that for thousands of years had lived their life in a particular way. Now, we're, we're even admitting to ourselves that we're not naive enough to think that everyone that is even hearing this letter is a believer. That there are people just like today that would look, you know, probably down here at the basketball game. I think that's a great example that some folks are going, I wonder what they're doing in that room. What is the refuge? What's happening in there? Right? And so the same thing. And so his, his, him to get the message out through a letter is just amazing. But isn't that how God works? God works through His people. And so what Paul had said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, look, therefore since God in His mercy has given us this new way, depending on the translation, that could read ministry, we never give up. Or we never lose heart. Or we don't get discouraged. And so we even went back and said, well, what was the old way? And we found these verses where Paul had written and said, you know, look, the law of Moses was given to us, but by God's grace and mercy through Jesus Christ, the day of you trying to earn your righteousness is over. I don't know if that sunk in. The day of you earning your righteousness is over. Yeah, and someone would say, well, Bibbo, I don't really know what that word righteous means. Well, you're in a safe place because, see, that means that you're accepted. Your acceptance of God is through everything that Jesus did. Your acceptance of God is through everything that Jesus did. He, did, he said it. He said you believe and you're in. And so we fast forwarded a little bit and we started going over the course of the weeks and, and last week, the past couple of weeks, we, we landed on this verse and this is in Luke. It's in chapter 4. So flip back over to the left a little bit. This is Luke chapter 4. 
the scene is Jesus is in a room. Let's just pretend that it would be a room like this. And He's in there with all of the guys that have studied. It would be like in our day, be the guys that have gone to seminary all their life. The guys that have studied the law, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, and Jesus is sitting in the room with them. And He asks for the scroll, and the scroll is given to Him, and the scroll that is given to Him is Isaiah 61. And Jesus unfurls that thing, man, and in the midst of all of them, He reads these words. This is Luke 4, verse 18. This is Jesus talking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so we were bringing that together and going, wow, can you imagine the silence that hit the room? Because just a few words later, He said, this Scripture has been fulfilled today. And He hands the scroll back to the boy and He places in the thing and He sits down. The Scripture had been fulfilled. And He's sitting in a room of guys that have lived this way for thousands of years. And so now doesn't it make sense that Paul who was part of the gang. You see, Paul was part of those religious leaders. Paul, if you did any history on him, you would know that he was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was one of these guys that would have been in the room in the day that had labeled himself as a Pharisee. And so he would have been in there and, and, and trying to soak this in because see, the thing is that there was this huge difference that happened with Paul. Because his name was Saul beforehand. And we're going, how can all this be? And so we're sitting here looking at it and we go, alright, look. look we, you remember we brought our tablets out a couple of weeks ago and we said for a lot of us, those that have placed faith in Christ, we think that all of the laws of Moses have been fulfilled, but we're busy about making our own. We're making our own tablets. You know, we'll go, man, that's great. I love this guy named Jesus, but I better be all about this. You remember that? And we did that on our tablets and we held them up and we was kind of over here with Pop and we were saying, man, is there anybody any cooler than Pop and his tablets? He's just the coolest. Right? And you know, we started, remember that? And so the thing is, we go, what's our motive for writing anything down that deepens our relationship with Christ? And if you remember, put your tablet back out. And so if you're doing anything to gain acceptance, to gain approval, incorrect motive. You may as well stop. But if you're doing it in order to gain this richness and this depth and to seek how Christ through God has blown life into you so that you can live Him out in here and out in the streets, beautiful motive. Now you're living out the fact that you are accepted and that you don't have to keep looking at yourself, but you're looking at Him and going, Jesus, what is it that You want me to be about? And you start living out your gifts. You start living out your anointing. You remember we found out that that's what part of that word means? Is that that it's these special gifts that you've been given by God. That He blew these cool things into you on purpose. For His purpose. 
for today. And so that brings us to today and say, well, Bilbo, what do we do now? Well, we keep going. And the thing is, is what is He telling you? So let's find that out here for a second. How many of us feel like you have charisma? Huh? All your hands better go up. Here's how you know if you think you have charisma. Here's the litmus test. Alright, you ready? This is fun. We're all walking. Let's pretend we're walking down the avenue. We're shopping. And we're walking, and we're walking, and we're walking, and we happen to walk in some front of some of the windows that has a reflection. <laughs> <laughs> what? You want to go where? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyone ever done that one? <laughs> then you think you've got charisma. As a matter of fact, you do have charisma. And here's how I know. Turn back over to the right. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. Because see, real quick, as you're going there to look, 1 Peter chapter 4, as you're going to look, remember when we had this discussion about someone else's tablet, someone else's gift. Even up here today, we're, there's probably some going, man, I wish I could do this. I just wish I could just do this. Did y'all, or someone maybe after Hepler prayed said, golly, did you hear that? Only if I could pray that way. And what you're doing in that moment is you're discounting the fact that you've been given a gift. And sometimes you don't know that you've really got that gift until you do what Brandy just did. And you go, wow. I actually have a gift. But let me reassure you that you do. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Isn't that awesome? God has. It's not God's going to. It's not God's thinking about it. It's not God's wishing that He would. God has. He's given you a gift. And here's the beautiful thing. Remember that word charisma? That's what this is. You know what this word means? It means extraordinary power. So, alright, let's go back to the avenue. Let's go back to the avenue and we're walking and we got the windows and here we are, we're about to walk into CC's. We've already checked ourselves out through the windows of Bar Louie. <laughs> I've worked out. I'm feeling pretty stealth. You want to go into CC's? <laughs> I do too. It's not fat. It's yogurt. We can get some of that. So we go in. And the thing is, is after you get that little bucket, right? If you're anything like me, I've tasted all of them and I'm kind of out of the mood. I'm going, is that all you got? You know those little cups they give you? But picture this for a second. You have your cup. And so here's God. Look what He said. He said, I've given you a great variety of spiritual gifts 
From His great variety, I've given you a gift. So here's God. Here's you. You're the bucket. God goes, there's Timothy. Now, let me go over here to this buffet of toppings. Man, aren't those fun? There's like brownie bits over there and M&M's and Reese pieces. And I don't know why anybody would put fruit on an ice cream bar. That's just crazy. (laughs) Who wants fruit in this non-fat yogurt? I don't. But you just sprinkle it up, right? And you're adding in. And the thing is, is that if I've got my Timothy cup, and I go, shh, and then I look at the one that Pop filled up, he's got fruit in his. And I'm looking at it and going, I don't want that. But when we get into this environment, we go, I want that. It's your cup. He's poured your cup out and He's sprinkled you on purpose. He doesn't want another cup that looks like anyone else's except yours. So here's the thing. Let's draw some encouragement from someone just real quick. You see that word serve at the very end of that? It says, look. He said, here's what I want you to do. After you've accepted, now remember Lord's favor. That means acceptance. That's what Jesus just said He's fulfilled. So now it starts to make sense that He's given me this great variety of things so I can fulfill Number one, that I'm accepting the Lord's favor. And now I'm going to help set captives free with the spiritual gifts that He's given me on purpose. I'm going to start helping folks that are spiritually blind see. I'm going to start helping folks that are oppressed be unoppressed. I don't know what that word is, but that sounds right. Does that make sense now? Is it starting to connect? And so here he goes, he said, look, put all these toppings in us, put everything together, and serve one another. In our anchor verse, that word ministry, it's the same word. It's diakoneo. Diaka what? It's not a motorcycle. (laughs) Diakoneo. It's a Greek word, means serve. It means, here's what it means. It means a people that are taking things and distributing them. They're collecting and they're distributing them right back out. Gang, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. When you go out, that's what you're doing. And so if there's anyone in here tonight that needs a little encouragement, let's see a people that have. Remember this guy named Paul? Well, his name was Saul. So here we go. You ready for a quick little journey? Go over to Acts real quick. Because if you're anything like me, sometimes I have to have a visual. You can tell me all day long how to do something, but if I see you do it, then maybe my chances of being able to replicate that go up. And especially if you'll get shoulder to shoulder with me and allow me to do it and allow me to fumble around with it, and not do it for me, then my, then my chances of being able to replicate that go up even more. So here's this guy. The first place in Acts is going to be Acts 23. You don't necessarily have to go there, but if you want to, you can. So put a finger at Acts 23, and then one over at Acts 8. I'm going to set the scene first in Acts 23. By this time, this guy named Paul, the one that's written the anchor verse for us that has said, therefore there is this new way. 
Through God's mercy, we've been given this new way. Paul's in court once again. And over the course of Paul's life, he spent five and a half to six years in jail because he loved this guy named Jesus. And so he's in this scene again. But if we went back to Acts 8, let me go there with you. This is when Paul was Saul. You remember earlier in the conversation when I said Paul could have possibly been one of the guys that would have been in the room. I mean, I don't think he was in the room when Jesus read the scroll, but he would have been part of the group. His kind was in the room that day. Right? So when Paul, who was Saul, isn't that confused? It's like a riddle. He was a guy that would hunt Christians. He would hunt people down that loved Jesus. Listen to what he says here. This is Acts 1. It said, Saul, this is the guy we've been talking about, was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death because he loved Jesus. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went where, gang? Dragging them out, both men and women, to throw them into the prison. And the thing is that he's killing the very ones that in Acts 23, he admits that he's with. They're called the way. It's in Acts 9. Look at what he says. That's where he has his... It says, meanwhile, this is Acts 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Eager. And so he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues. Can you imagine? He's taking a trip. He's going to go to another city. He's going to go to another town. And he sees the high priest and he says, hey, oh, by the way, let's put it in today's term. I'm going to go to Smyrna. And while I'm in Smyrna, if I happen to come across some of these folks that love this guy named Jesus, can you just go ahead and stroke me out a letter that says it's okay for me to either kill them or bring them back to you to put them in prison? And the high priest said, heck yeah, man. Please. And he went about doing that. And I don't know the time frame from Damascus Road to Acts 23, but Paul had a life-changing encounter. You'll see the red scattered through Acts 9. I'm encouraging you to go back and read that. Those words in red are Jesus talking to Paul, asking him, man, why are you doing this to me? And so we fast forward back to the court scene in Acts 23, where Paul admits that he's part of the very bunch that he used to hunt. I just wonder if any of his old buddies were in the room that day. I just want... Think about it this way for us. You ever been in a conversation, especially maybe in the school halls where the conversation turns to spiritual matters? 
and someone in the thing maybe starts talking against Jesus, and you being a Jesus lover is outnumbered, and have you ever grown silent in that conversation? I have. Have we ever just let some of that go? So here's a guy that at one point was hunting them down. Now he's in the room full of some of his old buddies may have been on the side over there. And he's telling them, this guy Jesus is for real. Now look gang, hang in here just for a second. If you had been one of Paul's buddies, you knew him, you trusted him, you thought he was the best thing ever. And you're watching this guy that you trusted with your life when you were with him hunting folks that love Jesus. Now you're watching him say that this guy Jesus is legit. What do you think their mind went to? Do you, could it be that far stretched that the guys that are sitting there are next to him and they're seeing Paul there and they're going... I don't. Does he look different to you? Could it have happened? And I believe some of the guys deep down believed him. But they were afraid because of what they might lose perception. Gang, we're, I don't think we're that much different. So they had labeled him. But don't we do the same thing? How are you living out your charisma? Do you believe in this new way that you've been given? Because see, I see a people that are. I just I want to share this real quick, just to, just to make sure that we, that we trust each other. Because if you're anything like me, I'll get to where I don't trust someone's motive. Here's an example. Let me throw some names out here. If I said the name Joel Osteen, where do you go? That could be all over the place. You don't have to answer, please. I don't want to start that in there. But you see, someone has positive, someone may have negative. Let's just run down the list. What about if I said Billy Graham? What if I said Joyce Meyer? What if I said Francis Chan, Louis Giglio, Frank Viola, Bob George, John Piper, Andrew Farley, Charles Stanley? What if I said Tony Evans, Max Lucado, Jim Cimbala, David Platt? What if I said all those guys? You can't put them in buckets fast enough, can you? But listen to what Paul says. Listen to what Paul says if we ever... And man, you're talking about someone that is speaking to me Directly, it's Bibbo. Because sometimes if I'm not trusting the motive of someone delivering the message, I don't have to play God with that anymore. So here's what Paul says again. Just listen to these words. Paul says, It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love Me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. 
Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. So you can see, we can stop taking our focus on whether Joel Osteen and all the other bunch are getting it right. And focus on whether or not we're living out our charisma. Are we living out our charisma to do this game? It's Isaiah 61. Are we believing that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us? Are we believing that He has anointed us to bring the good news to the poor? Are we believing that He has anointed us to to proclaim and set the captives free? That the blind will see? That the oppressed will be set free? And that we are accepting the Lord's favor today? You see, I believe you are. We're going to show a video. I want you to just drink it in, gang as you do so. Because see, you're teaching people how to do exactly what this book is talking about. You're teaching folks how to be set free. But before I can teach someone how to be free, i got to make sure that I'm free. Father, I thank You for this time. I thank You that there are people that understand and get the fact that they are anointed with You. That is charisma. That is extraordinary power. Father, that's resurrection power. So as we see, Father, how You have been living Your life through us, let's don't let anybody else not have this much fun. Lord, as Brandy read, loving folks sometimes is hard. But I get the fact that I too am sometimes hard to love. So I thank You for a people that's willing to love me and love others through their anointing, through their giftedness, through their uniqueness, Father, that they're not wanting anyone else's gifts except the one that You've poured in their cup and that You've sprinkled over them with Your great variety of spiritual gifts. Lord, it's an honor to serve You. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Army rising. 